You're listening to a two-episode special release podcast from Castle Hills Christian Church. The teaching is from Randy Garris, the director of the Life and Ministry Preparation Center at Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri. You have been delightful this morning to visit with, and you're fun to watch. Uh, I will tell you the first dumb decision I've seen you make is right now. (laughs) Because you put the speaker by the door and you locked yourself in where you can't get by very well. So, so... Um, but that's to my better. So there you go. Um, what I want to do with you this session is just probably cut to the chase as much as I can because we have a lot to cover. Um, good marriages, good marriages make a decision about how you understand love works in your home. What causes you to love who you love? Why did you fall in love with this person? Why do you stay in love with this person? Or why did you fall in love with a person and then fall out of love and all of that that stuff? I'm going to try to see if I can't lay a framework for how that, that works. Because there are three systems of love that exist out here in our neighborhoods. Those three systems are belief systems. We've just picked them up. We've just, we just absorbed them from the culture. Um, and you get to decide how long you want to be in love with a person and when you want to no longer be in love with them based off these three systems. System number one makes a lot of sense and sounds right. Disney movies are system number one. Beyonce, system number one. Adele, system number one. You to go on and on and on. Hallmark movies, system number one, Okay. And it sounds right, and you nod your head and go, yeah, that's, it's a one- to three-year marriage. It may last 50 years, but you sucked all the life out of it at the end of the first three, the first three years. If I had a, a visual illustration, I'd call it a double-A battery. It'll last about as long as a double-A battery will. We're going to talk about that. The second system sounds better. The second system is kind of um, a five- to eight-year marriage. It, it, it has a much better appeal. But it's especially the ones that as people become empty nesters, you see things not work as well. It's the one that they've been married. Wow, I've been married 10 years, and why are they divorcing now? What's going on? It's this second one. Um, it, it's, it's more like a, a nine-volt battery. Like you might put in a smoke detector. Better than a double A, but it won't last a lifetime. The third one, the third one's the one you want. And the third one is a lifetime love. But the culture hands us lies. I mean, it just hands us lies. And I don't mean this as offensive as it sounds, and I know every culture is a little different when I say this, and so I don't know your culture well enough, but... As they've said a long time ago, they're damn lies. And what I mean by that is destructive. I'm not trying to use an obscene word as much as I am. It's incredibly destructive. I tell you a lie about the temperature outside. I didn't hurt anything. I tell you a lie about how to have a good marriage, and I told you a lie. That one is a very destructive one. These first two are so destructive. The first kind of... Come on in. Come on in. Uh, I don't know why people didn't take the chairs at the front. I'm just shocked. I've never experienced that before. That's The first kind of love, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the broken ones, but i got to spend enough time to make some sense to you. The first kind of love is what I described. And I don't know how many of you heard the, the sermon or the message this morning. It's kind of a continuation of that. The first kind of love is it's the guy who's not quite grown up, and he's not quite happy, and he's not quite content. Oh, I mean, he may be the life of the party. Don't misunderstand me. But at 2 o'clock in the morning by himself, he's not quite happy. Maybe funny as I'll get out, delightful as I'll get out, but he's not grown up. And he bounces around till he finds a girl who's not grown up. And she she needs to be needed. And he needs somebody who needs him. It's the cheap high school romance. It's it's 
It can be the ugly ducklings that found each other and didn't have anybody else. And I'm not, you know, just just speaking honestly. Or it can be the captain of the football team who found the little bouncy cheerleader, and they're just perfect for each other. They're just wonderful. <laughs> they're going to be in love forever. No, they won't. No, they won't. What they have is is a dependency relationship that goes like this. The first system is, I love you, or I'll love you if. I'll love you if you make me happy. I'll love you if you make me content. I'll love you if you're sexual enough. I'll love you if personalities match. I'll love you if. And that it's a one to three year relationship. <coughs> The reason it's a one to three year relationship is pretty simple. They're two years into their marriage, and she's putting her makeup on the in the morning, and he's in bed, and she doesn't feel pretty enough, skinny enough, talented well, left well liked enough. She's got her own discontent. I don't like my life right now, and I always thought if I was married to the right guy, life would be okay. And putting her makeup on, she's going, "This isn't working." I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. And he realizes, by the way, I mean, he he, he does, um, I guess she loves me, sort of, but she loves me as long as she gets her way. She loves me as long as things are do what she wants. She loves me if I don't, if this. And, and, and the two of them just really, really struggle with each other because it's a contract, ultimately. That's all it's been, a contract. It's the idea that, that if you'll meet my needs well enough, I'll be in love with you. Well, we all married flawed people. And nobody can meet your needs well enough. And so what you ended up doing was, was, was getting so distraught. You need to just straighten up so I'll be happier. You need to straighten up so we'll do better. And they take turns on what they're picking at, but they just pick at each other constantly. And they believe, they believe that you'd be in love if somebody met your needs. It won't work. That one won't work. It, 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 has, it has no basis. Number one drug in, in America is not alcohol. Number one drug is not marijuana. Number one drug in America is another person. And we use another person so that I will be okay with me. This story happened a lot of years ago, but I uh, we, have a, we have a little Christian school in our in our building. And I, the little girl, I guess, probably wasn't in the Christian school, but she was being picked up with parents. I'm not sure the whole story was, but this little second-grade girl that I know, and she was out on the couch and at the atrium of our, of our church about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And she just bawling. She just bawling. Well, I knew her, and I knew her family really well, and so I went out and sat on the couch beside her, put my arm around her, and she just threw her head against my chest, and she just laid there and sobbed. And I finally said, you know, you know, hon, what's, what's wrong? And she said, Randy, none of the boys in my class will go with, with me. Go where? Go to the go to the monkey bars. Go 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 to the water fountain. I mean, she's bawling. None of the boys in my class will go with me. I'm trying to keep a straight face. And then she killed me with this little phrase. And Randy, in my class, if none none of the boys will go with you, you're nobody. There's an awful lot of relationships that are established because somewhere along the line. This crazy stuff began to occur that a a guy has a hole in his chest, but he doesn't know how to fill it. But if the right girl came along and loved me, I'd be okay. And a girl comes along, and he does love her. She loves him. But about two to three years, one to three years, that hole's back again. And she can't fill it. And he just picks at her. If you just were this, if you just were that, if you just... And she can't win. And meanwhile, there's a little girl that's got a hole in her chest that I, 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 I don't know. I just can't find my place in life or I, I just don't know. But if the right guy loved me, 
And so what happens is system number one is very conditional. It's, I mean, you think about a, a contract. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to make a contract work. I built custom furniture for a hobby. So, silly illustration, but so you sell lumber. And, and, and I'm tired of shopping around, and so what I do is I come to you and I make an agreement. Here's the deal. You give me good lumber, I'll give you good money, and I don't have to go shop anywhere, and you don't have to go look for another customer. And we sign a contract. How long will that work? For a while. <coughs> What's the natural inclination? I'm going to start looking at that lumber and going, you know, I don't think he's giving me as good a lumber as he used to. It has more checks, it has more warps, I don't know. And I begin to keep a list of all of the little failures of the lumber. So when I start keeping that list of your failures, you think I'm going to give you more money? I start hitting the low end of whatever it is I need to be paid, just the bottom end. But until you give me better lumber, I'm not kicking in much. Well, then all he notices is that I'm beginning to shortchange him every chance I get. And he begins to build resentment, and I build resentment, and he builds resentment, and I build resentment, and and pretty soon we want to break that contract because you're not doing your part. When they got married, he did 20 things for her, she did 20 things for him, and again, metaphorically. But somewhere along the line, she noticed he's just not holding up his end of the bargain, emotionally or physically. Or, and so she got her feelings hurt, and she got even. He needs to know what it feels like. And he got even, and she got even, and he got even, and she got even, and they accused, and they just keep walking it down. Here's a crazy thing. I got involved in those a lot. They're they're down here. It's it's a mess. They're fighting. They're accusing. they're, They're picking. The wife would come to me every now and then. When people ask me what I did for a living, my answer is I made women cry. Because that's, that's I've you just done tons of that. But the woman will come to me and she's going, Randy, I don't want a divorce. Randy, I, uh, I, I don't want, but Randy, he's such an insensitive clod. He doesn't get it. You know, me and me and Jimmy and Johnny, and I, I just can't imagine being married to him the rest of my life. And da 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 da. And Randy, he used to be up here, but he's not up here. He's way down here now. And Randy, if you could get him back up here like he used to be, you know, kind of thing. And and I would run out the door like some, you know, I'm going to go to his muffler shop and I'm going to grab him by the collar and I'm going to say, you wake up, you doofus. You know, you're about to lose, you know, Shelly and the kids and you better straighten up. And here's the crazy thing about it. I'm throwing you a twist. He actually might wake up and he would throw himself back into the 20. And I'd go home and go, save another one today. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Because you know the flaw already. He throws himself back in, and she would say to me about four days later, six days later, three weeks later, i got to admit he's trying. He's driving me crazy. I wish he'd back him off some. And then she would say things like, I wish he'd have started this three years ago. It might have made a difference. Or I wish he'd have started this three months ago, but it's too late now. My feelings are dead. Whoa, what's happening? Two things are happening. Number one, nobody can meet your expectations to make you happy, content, joyful, all those sort of things. And here's the second. It's a lie that somebody can love you well enough that your emotions are connected. He could throw himself back in it, and her feelings didn't come back. The system's broke. I'll, I'll get to a better answer here in a second, but it didn't work. Crazy thing is, yeah, I can't. I was not time. Let me go to the second. One. I guess go to the second. Does, does the first one make sense? Yes. By the way, it can be the cheap high school romance. It's also the number one reason seniors get married in college. Because I need to, you know. I, she thought she wanted to be single and career woman, but she's been the bridesmaid at 37 straight weddings. She's holding the baby of all of her friends. And she's worked enough now to know that maybe a career is not all it's cracked up to be, and so she begins to have a longing. And if I don't get to pick it now, well, the picket's good. And meanwhile, he's had, you know, 12 different you know roommates and moving in and out, and he's tired of doing his own laundry every three months. Uh, <laughs> making his bed twice a year. 
and those two will find each other, and they think they fell in love. No, actually, you didn't. What you did is you, you were more self-serving than you knew you were, and you found somebody that you liked, but it was very self-serving. It's the same, it's the same, same deal. Second, second one sounds better. The first one, I could kind of put it in the English, I'll love you if you meet my needs well enough. And if I'm not in love with you, it's because you're not meeting my needs well enough. The first one sort of sees love as magnetic. You're the right thing. I just can't help but sort of be attached to you. And if you're the wrong thing, my magnet doesn't hold. It just doesn't hold. So you need to straighten up. Okay, I mean, that's, that's kind of that. The second one sounds better. The second one is built around the language, I love you because. I love you because you're so funny. I love you because you're so sweet. I love you because of your personality. I love you because your character. I love you just because of who you are. And you go, well, what in the world's wrong with that? That sounds perfect. It is for a five-day-year marriage. Hallmark Cards has made a living off that one. I love you. Why didn't it work? Pretty simple. I love you because is built around a concept that goes like this. He sort of builds a box in his own mind, and I know no one literally does this. I, I'm trying to help us figure out what we kind of do and didn't know we did. Our ducks aren't that much in a row, by the way. Um, he sort of has in mind the kind of, of girl he's looking for and the kind of, of, of girl that he really deeply respects and, and just can see himself with. And and he takes his box or whatever, and he just kind of dates and goes, eh, not that one. No, not that one. No, not that one. Ah, that one. Okay. And she has a box. These boxes typically have 8, 10, 12 primary characteristics. She just doesn't, she doesn't like that kind of a guy. I just don't like that kind of a guy. He's brash. He, Kind of sounds braggadocious. I, I just don't like that kind of guy. And so let's just take one. I mean, this is... She found a guy, and, and he met the box that she had in mind. Lighthearted, witty, and fun to be around. and You know, you just go through the list of things, okay? And these two date... And, and I'm not opposed to dating with a box like this. If you didn't have a box, you'd date some really weird people, okay? <laughs> I'm not opposed to this as dating. It just won't work for marriage. It's fine for dating, but it has to drop off like a rocket has a booster that starts it, but you drop it off and something permanent has to replace it. This is fine for college kids that are just sort of going for coffee and conversations and, 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 a, and a date or two, but it won't work for marriage. Why? Real simple. Real simple. This one's built around the fact that our personalities click. Our chemistry is right. We have common interest. We just fit. I don't know. We're just so comfortable together. Great. Let's run five to eight years of time period. You realize you change a little in personality every six months? I mean, you think about who you were at age 13 and who you are at 19. Yeah, yeah. You think who a kid is at 19 and who he is at 24. You think about who a man is at 24 and who is at 35. You think about a guy who's 35 and a guy who's 55. We change. So let me just change. I mean, it's, it's minor, but let me put a series of six months in here. I mean, each one of these little marks being a, a six months. She fell in love with him because he's lighthearted, witty, and fun to be around. One of the most common things I would get is a knock on my door at College Heights. And I would go answer my door. My actually, my assistant would be there with somebody, and, and I would struggle for a name. And finally, oh, Susan, 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 good to see you. And she was going, yeah, we live down at Cassville, which is about seventy miles away. Uh, I was up shopping in Joplin. Just, just, just wanted to stick my head in, see if the church still looked the same, and wanted to see if you were still here. And and da 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 da. And we, and then she said, do you mind if we close the door? And she starts bawling. And she will say, Randy, I just don't love him anymore. I wished I did. I wished I could. I want to. I don't want to divorce. Randy, I don't want to. But Randy, I just don't love him anymore. And then she gets mad. 
Oh, she gets mad. By the way, women's tears and women's anger are really close together. Okay, just just <laughs> FYI. Oh, at first she's just crying, and then she's mad. He's changed, and she becomes very accusatory. Ever since he got, you know, that job, he's changed. Ever since his brother came back to town, he's changed, and she's really mad because she fell in love with a guy who's like this, with all of these traits, and she'll say, "But I, I just don't love him anymore." But Randy, I don't want a divorce. If Randy, he respects you. Would you work with him? If you could get him back like he used to be, I, I think I could love him. Yes, as soon as I put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste tube, I'll get right back on that. <laughs> well, what happened? It's really simple. You see, I can't explain all these six months, but right here he lost a good buddy. What happened to Mr. Lighthearted Woody in front of me around? Right here he lost a good buddy in a motorcycle wreck. Right down here they gave him a a job that's got 12 employees and I don't know how it hit him that hard but it did right down here they handed him a little boy at the hospital and, and this little 19 or 22 inch you know, little boy took home and right down here he lost his a parent and right down here he got this knot on his neck and they say it's benign but, but we'll have to watch it because it, it can turn into and, and so she married a 22 year old kid and, and for our story it's making 32 to 35 and his is his box. And I fell in love with a guy like this, but I don't have that guy. I have this guy. I tell the college girls in particular. And Julie and I are doing a campus-wide deal just on dating. It won't be on the list of it. But a girl will actually go, no, not that guy, not that guy, not that guy. Ah, that guy. Okay. She wakes up five years later and she's not married to him, she's married to him. And if we fall in love with someone because of what they are, logically you can stop loving someone when they're not what they used to be. What's the chances that she has stayed the same? None. None. Mm-hmm. What's the chances? She paralleled him exactly. You know, no, none. None. Here's what's actually happened for her. So they begin, they were in college, a couple single kids, maybe they're just young kids getting started, working jobs, and life got heavy and busy, and they began to change and didn't know what to do with it. So he got really involved at work. She got really involved with her work. He got really involved with the church. She got really involved with the kids. She got really involved at the school. He got really involved with the sports. And they just, we say, that's the problem. No, no, that's a symptom. They did all that to cover it up. Some of the people that I worry the most, and I'm just being honest with you, are people who simply decided, I'm going to live at the church and work there all the time. Because here's what I know is going on. I got a guy who volunteers constantly, kind of thing. But here's what's happening. My wife has the right to call foul. When she married me, um, I was 21, she was 20. Everybody would have said I was happy go lucky and incredibly social. Truth is, I'm far more of an introvert then I'm an extrovert. I look like an extrovert, but I'm more of an introvert. But I wasn't fake, faking it. I wasn't phony. I, I went to parties. I enjoyed them. But somewhere in my 20s, I began to change. I liked who I was then, but I just became a different guy. My favorite thing now is to have a book and to go to my workshop, and if I never went to another party again, I'd be perfectly happy. I'm... I'm a brown paper sack. When I got married, I worked at a cabinet shop on my way all the way through college. I'd get off sometimes 6.30 or 7 and go, you know, Tulsa's only 100 miles away. Casa Bonita has that, you know, that restaurant and the diver and the whole nine yards. And let's go up two or three people. Let's drive to Casa, you know, Casa Bonita in Tulsa. And so it's only a couple hundred mile drive. And we can be back by being in class by 7 in the morning. And that's who Julie married. Now it's nine o'clock. Why, why are the lights off and we're not in bed? Okay. You know, Julie would go, wait a second, time out. In college, I pulled off 
what I consider one of the finest pranks ever pulled in college. They called it breaking and entering. It's a minor difference of opinion. Okay? They actually called me in and threatened to kick me out of college over uh, breaking and entering. No, no, you don't know the difference between a prank and a breaking and entering. I haven't thought about breaking and entering anything in a long time. So there's an elasticity to all of our lives. Last thing you want, by the way, I mean, you, can you imagine the vows? You know what the vows are. I do promise to have you and hold you from this day forward, for better, for worse, richer, poor. For worse? I, well, I wasn't signing on for worse. I'm signing on for better. Don't give me this worse stuff. Here's the deal. Let's rewrite those vows. If you stay the same way you are in your wedding dress, I will stay in love with you. If, if you can still wear the same pair of blue jeans and see your belt at the same time, I will stay in love with you. I mean, we know we're going to change. I'm not trying to be flippant with this. This is actually more tender than I can tell you. I am shocked that I am delighted to go to bed with a 64-year-old woman. Who's delighted to go to bed with a 64-year-old woman? I am. But I married a 20-year-old girl. I know. This system doesn't work because it's based on the fact that we believe that love has to do with chemistry. It has to do with common interest. Truth is, she stops going to the NASCAR races with you. Truth is, she's not as excited to go sit in a deer stand as you thought she was. Truth is, raising those kids required far more energy than you ever dreamed or imagined. And you're mad because she doesn't correspond to you anymore. We don't seem to fit anymore. We've changed. If this is your system, then you better have a starter marriage and discard it later. And go with the next one. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. The first one is, I'll love you if you meet my needs well enough. The second one is, I love you because of who you are. Just don't change. Don't change. I've, we have a medical community, and you can picture this. I, this is so, so, I mean, so many illustrations I could use, but let me just give one. I have a, we have a medical community, and I have chased so many at the hospital and at the, at the clinics down over this second one. Don't, don't leave your husband. Don't leave your husband. And she's going, yeah, but I outgrew him. I outgrew him. Or it's a doctor who's divorcing his wife because he married a gal when he was in medical school. He married a gal who could make macaroni last for three weeks. He married a gal who could get by on $7, you know, from... He married an old farm gal, and now, now he's making six hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. Every RN is dressed to the to the nines. They're calling him Sir and Snappy, and he's actually out of the country club now, running around a little bit at the country club. And he wants a wife who comes to that social circle, and she hasn't gone to that social circle. She'd rather the the kind of life that has more quality to it. And he's wanting to to, to buy into that airplane, and and he's wanting to do this and this, and he can't figure. It's just she won't change. She, she's not. She's not what I need anymore. It's this stuff. This is nonsense. There'll be some of you in this room that even probably have said we've, we've grown apart. It's this system. Okay. Let's ignore all that. That, that won't last you for a lifetime. So how's a lifetime love work? I'll love you if doesn't work. I love you because doesn't work. The third one. And I never know what what words to use. I'm going to use the, the, the phrase, I love you in spite of. Um, I, I love you. Let me just put that there. It's a covenant concept. It's a covenant concept. And a covenant concept is so different. I'm going to get into the, the, the details of it as I finish this up, but... 
You do know the word for marriage is the word agape. Anytime you find the word agape, I, the word for love, you could actually, I, I don't recommend it, but you could actually write the words, gut it out. God so gutted it out with the world. He gave his only begotten son. Christians, gut it out with your enemies. What's that mean? You grit your teeth and you do the right thing. I mean, you just go through the, the word agape. You can put the word, well, I don't think I like that for my marriage. Husbands, gut it out with your wives. And wife, gut it out with your husband. And going, well, that sounds really romantic. I really like this one, you know. But that's actually the phrase. It's a covenant concept. It's I, in spite of, I'm, I'm turning, I'm, I'm grabbing a hold of you and I'm not turning loose. Uh, we'll go to the scripture here in a second. But let me get to the heart of the matter relationally. Why does Julie love me, who's a brown paper sack, who's not the same personality, who she's changed, I've changed? How, did, how has she chased me through the years and deeply in love with me? Because I'm so sparkly and wonderful? <laughs> she knows every one-liner I use. She, make, she mocks and makes fun of me, all my you know repeated things. <laughs> Here's why. Because God wired a secret in the human heart. I'm going to run you through several illustrations. Why do we love anything that we love? You're sitting right here. This isn't fair. You just here. You are easy, easy train of thought. That's why you sat over there. Yeah, she was sitting over there. Remind me your first name. My name is Jim. Hi, Jim. Thank you, Jim. My name is Randy. Nice Thank to you, meet Jim. you, Randy. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Crazy story. Cut me some slack, but here it goes. So Jim has a mangy, which is a disease, mangy mongrel dog running around his neighborhood. He can't stand the dog. The dog is in the weebie-jeebies. And, and so he's been kind of chunking rocks at it, even trying to drive that dog out of his yard, but the dog won't leave. Dog hangs around his, his yard. And Jim can't stand the thing, and, and so for, he doesn't feed the dog because he didn't want the dog staying around, and he keeps asking whose dog this belonged to, and he can't get it to leave, and he's trying to get it to leave, and it just won't leave. And two or three days go by, and so finally he goes in and he calls the animal control officer and says, hey, I got this <coughs> diseased, mangy dog you know, that, that's at my yard I don't like. Uh, I, I c- Come get the dog. And they say, yes, sir, Mr. Jim, we'll be happy to. we got a truck you know, broke down, man on vacation, but we'll get there. Well, you can look at him. He has enough human kindness. You can see the milk of human kindness just flowing there. Okay? <laughs> but he has enough human kindness that nothing should starve to death. He hadn't been feeding it because he didn't want to stay. But now if they're going to come get it, he knows what it probably means. It's probably going to kill the thing, but, but he knows what it means. So so he's, here's the scraps from tonight's meal. Here, here you dumb dog. If you want the scraps, you can have them. And so he does that. And the next morning, there's the leftover eggs. And here you dumb dog. If you want that, you could have it. And... I don't know, make this story anywhere you want to. Let's make it in the middle of your, your winter. And it got down to 35 degrees or 32 degrees, and it's cold out there, and that dog's under that bare lilac bush, and he's going, well, that thing shouldn't freeze to death. So he goes and opens the that shed that he keeps the lawnmower in that's got that bale of hay that's kind of back there and says, there, you dumb dog. If you want to get in out of the coals, you can go there. And that dog slips in and goes to the, the deal. And another day or two of those kinds of things, and what happens? Jim catches the dog, takes it to the vet, spends $237 on it, and names it Bullet. Okay? I mean, and when the dog dies, two years later, he cries like a baby. Wait a second. What in the world just happened? I don't understand. Because on Tuesday of last week, he couldn't stand the dog. On Tuesday of this week, it's named Bullet. Okay? What, what happened? Question number one, did the dog change? No. Not one ounce. What changed? His behavior and his investment changed. Let me take two girls. Sit them here. Two girls, both sixth graders. I, by some magic, I you know make them both sixth graders, and I give them both a gerbil. You get a gerbil, and you get a turtle. Neither one of them wanted a rodent, but they got them. <laughs> I gave them instructions. Here's what you do. I want you to feed your gerbil every day, water it every day, take it, you know, clean its cage every every week, and take it for a walk, you know, once once on Sundays. Okay, and so I give them both instructions, and and neither ger- neither girl wants a gerbil, but one girl is is pretty self disciplined, 
and every day she feeds it, and every day she waters it, and every day she she does her, her stuff. The other girl is hit and miss. I mean, some days she feeds it, some days she forgets, some days she does, you know. Her mom at supper is constantly getting on to her. Did you feed your gerbil today? No, Mom, I didn't. I know you didn't. You know who fed the gerbil? I fed the gerbil today, you know. And then the mom says this classic line. I mean, I'm setting you up, but this is just true. The mom says, do you know how many times that gerbil would have died if I hadn't fed it? The answer is once, Mom. It would have died once. But anyhow, (laughs) probably not the best answer at the moment. But anyhow, it would have died once, Mom. Okay, because it's my story and I never want to, four months into this, both gerbils die the same day. One girl is so relieved. Oh, that stupid thing is gone. I'm so glad. And except she feels guilty that I do it. Okay, I mean, I, she, but she's so glad it's gone. The other sixth grade girl made a crazy entry into her journal. I cried for a gerbil today. The two girls get together, and, and the one girl says, "I, my affections were affected." The other girl said, "I didn't. I mean, you must have had a more cuddly gerbil than I had." <laughs> no. Now, here's a pretty simple principle. It's actually one Jesus used. Where your investment is, there will your heart be also. Why do mamas love their babies? Well, it's just natural. It's biological. Moms love their babies. Oh, yeah? Let's go for a tour. I can show you an awful lot of places that's not the biology doesn't kick in. The reason a mama typically loves her babies is she's carried an imagination for that baby for several years. She's gone through three months of throwing up every 20 minutes. She's gone through every embarrassing examination possible to humanity. She's gone to 17 counties and bought things for the little nursery. She's hung dealy daubers from the ceiling. She's crossed, written down and crossed out 47 names. She goes through 22 hours of hard labor. She brings home a baby that's fussy. She's walking this baby up and down hallways she deeply loves this baby. Another house right next door. 17-year-old girl has a baby. And 17-year-old girl avoids everything she can. And so it's grandma's money. And grandma who's doing this brings the baby home. Sweetheart, you get your sleep. I'll look after that baby in the night. And Grandma is devastated three months into the baby's life. My daughter doesn't even love her own baby. Who loves the baby? Grandma. There's a basic principle that goes like this. God wired into the human heart. The principle that where your investment is, there your heart be also. And he said, you're going to marry a stumbler. And it's good that you like each other at this stage. It's terrific. It's wonderful. You've got to like each other when you get married. That, that just should be a requirement. Okay. But from this point on, it becomes irrelevant. Because my act of worship every single day becomes very simple. My act of worship is, God, you brought him into the world, and you'll take him out. God, he's someone for whom you died. He's someone that you chased and pursued through all eternity. And God, I want a covenant with you that the same love that you have for me and him, God, will you let me partner with you? God, can I partner with you? And will you let me be the one who in this lifetime I look after him with the same heart you would have? And he says, God, you brought her into the world and you'll take her out. And but, but, Lord, as my act of worship to you, can I offer an act of worship that I will wake up every day and say, this woman, regardless of personalities, regardless of stumbling, regardless of flaws, regardless of... God, today my way of, of worshiping you is I want to look after her with the same kind of covenant that you do with me. And two people out of worship begin to invest each other. And the Lord winks and nudges the angels and says, watch this. 
she's going to be deeply in love with a doofus. <laughs> and she is. Julie is in love with me not because I am this bright, shiny, sparkly thing. If anything, she would be rolling her eyes on occasions. <laughs> but my wife's a worshiper. And my wife has a covenant with the Lord. You realize that any wedding and marriage for a Christian, non-Christians can borrow it, but it's not theirs. Any Christian marriage is not a covenant with each other, but a covenant with God. I, I know this sounds a little funny, but the guy stands here and he says, Heavenly Father, at, at, at the wedding, I, I think I love her, but how do you know on these things? But Heavenly Father, I know I love you. And out of love for you and as a response to your love for me, God, would you let me partner with you? Would you let me be the raw material that you use the rest of your life to write as grand a story for this woman as it could possibly be written? Would you let me? Would you let me be the raw material that you consume for the sake of looking after this woman? And I don't know what the future holds, for better or for worse, richer or poorer. I don't know if I get a healthy woman the rest of my life. I don't get it. I don't know. But here's what I know. She doesn't lose her worth or value ever. And so I worship. The girl stands here and says, Heavenly Father, I think I love him, but how do you know on these things? And those two make a vow before the Lord to the Lord. The word covenant is on my marriage certificate because the state of Oklahoma, I'm Raider Noki. Because the word covenant is on it, but they put it at the wrong place in the state of Missouri. They actually called it a covenant between Randy and Julie. And, and, and it is sort of. But the truth is, that's not where it was. In, in Proverbs 2, in Malachi 2, God calls it his marriage. His marriage. What, what? This is Randy and Julie's marriage. No, God calls it his. God calls it his marriage. Well, you say, well, wait a second. Wait a second. Doesn't my partner have something to do with how I feel about him? I mean, if you, you're telling me that if I actually worship the Lord and serve my wife, my heart will follow. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you, you serve her for false reasons. You serve her so that she'll be more sexual for you. Yeah, that's manipulation. You serve her so she'll up her game taking care of you. That's manipulation. You serve her because she's a daughter of the king, and God, you're my father-in-law. I've handed two guys off, or two, two, two girls off to two guys. You walk your daughter down the aisle, you feel like you're handing them to a barbarian. <laughs> and I handed them off to two great guys. I know my daughter's flaws. Katie, my six-foot daughter, who also wears four-inch heels that pass me on the head as she walks by. <laughs> I have shrunk through the years, and she taunts me. I know Katie's flaws. Katie's phenomenal. She's one of the most phenomenal women I've ever met in my whole life. But I know some of her idiosyncrasies. I've known them since she was this high. I'm the guy that had to talk her off her tensions and things in sophomore in high school. I know what Josh married. I, I know what was going to irritate the soup out of him. When James chapter 3, or verse 2 says, we all stumble in many ways, I know what Katie stumbles at. But it's crazy how much I wanted that man not to let those stumbles be in his way and just love this little girl. All I ask is don't let those stumbles get too big and too much in your way. Just love this little girl. And he's done it incredibly. They're both 40, 41, and they have a great marriage. They are the epitome of what I, I would say, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. When, when Ryan married Megan, my youngest, I know what will drive him crazy. I knew what would kind of cause him to say bad words under his breath. <laughs> because I knew this little red-headed girl from the time she was this... She's my short daughter. She's 5'5". Five, five. 
I know it. Because, but it doesn't much matter. She's my daughter, and I know that she is incredible talents and skills. And yeah, she'll drive you crazy on these things. And both of my son-in-laws are such worshipers that they have, out of that, seen my daughters with the kind of view that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and they have served their wives, and these girls have blossomed. By the way, my youngest daughter in particular, she married Ryan, who had been my intern before they ever started dating. I knew what was going to drive her crazy. I knew what his mom and dad wanted to apologize to us about before anybody And those two have just done incredible. But it's not because I'll love you if you meet my needs. That ain't going to happen. Or I love you because of who you are. That ain't going to happen. Ryan's already a different guy. Megan's a different guy. Girl. It's this one. I'm not turning loose of you. And the twinkle in God's eye is if you will worship and if you will serve, your heart will follow. If some of you are struggling with a heart for your mate right now, I'm going to tell you what's happened. You got your feelings hurt. And you took a half step back and got a little passive on your own investment. And your own investment that you got passive on, your heart took a full step back. And you've been wronging a son or daughter of the Lord. And so you go back and you and the Lord have a long conversation and you worship. And from it, you come back and you say, you know what, I think I got my feelings hurt. I think I was getting even. I think I, I, think I began to feel sorry for myself. And I, haven't, I have not been with the very covenant I have with God should have been honoring, and I am so sorry. The way I talk to you, the way I don't talk to you, the way I pursue you, the way I don't pursue you, the way I help you, the way I don't help you, I was feeling too sorry for myself, and I, I haven't been investing. Roommates is not God's plan for eternity. And many couples slip into we're, good, we're just roommates. Investment causes heart. i got to let you go. i got to hit one thing before I do. Where did my Bible go? Who took my Bible? <laughs> it was here somewhere. Oh, it's back in the corner. I want to read something for you, and then I'll, I'll let this wrap up. Thank you. I want to make sure, and I and I took too long on that, but let me let me hit a particular. Ephesians five. I'm going to read some of this for you. Ephesians five has been read at every wedding, you know. And if it's not First Corinthians thirteen, it's Ephesians five. Verse 22 has this deal about wives. And everybody thinks the key word is the word submit. I run or not. I'm sort of be funny there. I'll, I'll back off. I might not make my plane tonight. Do you know what? It talks about wives, but it's in that paragraph, when I look at it, the star of the show is Christ. It ties me to Christ. Not anything else. I go to the next paragraph. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he began to go down through this, and he says, do you know what the purpose of marriage is? If you think the purpose of marriage is to make you happy, if you think the purpose of marriage is to satisfy your needs, if you think, then all you have a consumerism about marriage. What he actually says is, here, it's a covenant concept that you, and here are the words, to sanctify to present in radiant beauty and splendor, to bring to be perfectly holy and blameless. All of those are phrases in Ephesians 5 that come back and say this, God's primary purpose in marriage is that I get to reflect the very God who has a covenant with me and I'm invited to the privilege of doing this with somebody else. That's what it is. So, Randy, did you do well in your marriage? I don't know. Did I fold my hands and say, here is a daughter of the king. I'm going to step in this, these hands, sweetheart. We're going to write as grand a story as God would write, like to write in your life. That's what, my, that's what my purpose in your life is. 
My job is to help bring about everything God intended for you. This is glory stuff. This is holy stuff. A marriage is sacred ground. That's, that's all Ephesians 5 is. And that sacred ground is designed that a man says, this is what I'm doing, and a woman says, this is what I'm doing, and wow, what an incredible meeting place it is. I started to ask Ronnie if he had a, a socket bar, straight, long socket bar. Um... And bring it visually. Everybody know what a socket bar is? You, you, it's, it's the long handle bar that you put a socket on when you take off a, 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 a nut. A socket bar is wonderful for what it's for. Unfortunately, I have a toolbox that I bought 47 years ago. Same toolbox. It has room for my metric and standard sockets. It has room for all my, my wrenches. It has room for everything except a hammer. There's no room for a hammer. So when I'm under something working on it, the only thing I have to beat it with is I, I take a long-handled socket bar and I use it as a hammer. It doesn't work well for that. It hits my thumb every single time. It makes me think of bad words like Monday and Oklahoma Sooners and things like that. <laughs> Misusing that socket bar, I'm so frustrated, but I'm using it for a purpose it was never intended for. The purpose of your marriage is the glory of God and the glory of godliness in the life of my mate. And I get to invest in that and serve them to it. I don't drive them to it. I serve them to it. That's when marriage finds its purpose. That's when you stop bruising your thumb and saying bad words. That's when the delight that God sort of winks and says, watch this. I... uh, I gotta quit. I think of two more things if I'm not careful. <laughs> I rode on the plane back from um, Indy last week with a young man from India who sat beside me. And he said, I'm getting married December 11th. I said, Great, great, congratulations. I said, Have you met your bride? <laughs> And he said, how did you know? He said, actually, I have met her, but it's an arranged marriage. And I said, congratulations, and and we began to talk, and and I've spent quite a bit of time with it. And I said, do you know why your marriages work, when they work? But, you know, there's places where they do crazy stuff, too, but do you know why yours works and, and why Americans was don't? And he said, yeah, I do. You build yours, you build your marriages on feelings, and you put your commitment on top of the feelings, and the feelings change and your commitment drags away. We build ours on commitment, and the feelings are on top of the commitment, and the commitment causes the feelings not to go away. He said, my parents and my grandparents were matched marriages, and commitment made them stay. Long before a guy from India from Mumbai said that. That's exactly what Ephesians 5 is about. Did the glory of God be your marriage? We'll pick this up later on tonight. Thank you, guys.